Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Uh, New Living Translation I jotted down said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And I'm sure as many of you are here with different translations, it may vary just a little bit, but those are the concepts that I wanted to uh, just share a little bit about tonight that was on my heart. And I will say this, after Ann uh, just kind of admonished me, and the busyness of the day faded away, and I didn't um, mention this to her earlier, but I think I finally got able to get peace and just calm down about five o'clock. <laughs> Seriously. So I've got about seven pages here that ha happened between five o'clock and six o'clock. But it was kind of here. I just had to go, oh, okay, type that, type that. And you know how that goes. Everybody knows how that kind of thing goes. Trust. Trust in the Lord. I think a lot of times we give it a very simplistic concept, like, well, okay, you know, I hope he's going to come through, and maybe this will happen. You know, you know, I mean, that's really the way a lot of folks are at. But my... Uh, What's, what's grounded in me in this scripture is the idea that our whole being is entirely and without reservation given over to the Lord. That when we're born again, we trust and receive Jesus into our hearts, and we don't hold anything back, do we? At that moment of salvation, now maybe some people kind of tiptoed into Christianity from a little baby and just kind of always went to church. But you know what I mean? Really, I think with most folks, there comes a point where there's just an all-out plunge into belief. And that moment in time, you know, it always talks about remembering, you know, your salvation. There's nothing held back, but as life goes on, the flesh begins battling against the spirit. And what happens, I believe, is that we begin to make compartments or rooms in our lives, don't we? And we give God the living room. Okay, you got the main room. Okay, God's in the living room. You know, God is number one. But what? We reserve the back bedroom for us to hide out in, right? I mean, that happens in the stuff of life. We get all this stuff going around, and we say, okay, he's got that place, but we're going to pick the spare bedroom where I made a note that, you know, maybe in reality what we're doing is hiding out down in the basement hoping he doesn't catch us down there, <laughs> you know? But in, in life, he doesn't want that. Or maybe we've, you know, some people create a man cave. You know, there's folks that do that, and the, the men got their little place, and they retreat. Think about that. In people's houses, some folks got a man cave. So they go there, but the rest of the house is for something else, but that's where they go. I know these are sort of examples, but I really believe that in the big picture of life, what God wants is one of these newfangled houses where there's no walls at all. You know, we kind of see these in architectural digesters. Oh, there's glass everywhere. Wow, you can see through the whole thing. Whoa, you see people here and there and everywhere. We should have our own life house be a house of glass, shouldn't it? There's no room hidden from God. So when it says that we trust in the Lord, it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. I really believe that what he's talking about is not situational. It's not saying, well, when you, when you approach this situation, like, well, should I get married to this person or should I take that job or, you know what I'm saying? Or should I go, you know, to this grocery store or that grocery store? Those are all decisional things. But God's talking about the entirety of who we are and every aspect of our being. 
that there's such an openness and a trust that there's nothing held back. We've just given it all out to him. I remember what stood out in my mind when, you know, we're talking about salvation, that uh, my experience growing up was a non-believer, didn't know anything about God, actually thought everything about God was a joke, you know, going through, growing up, we didn't go to church, and actually we went twice when I was a kid, my folks took us to Sunday school, and I'll never forget walking out of there thinking, this is a joke, I mean, why are these people coming here, this is just stupid, and besides, on Sundays, you can go skiing instead of go to church. So what's this about? We're out of here. And so we just skied, and we didn't go to church. And it wasn't until after I got out of law school that through a number of circumstances that would take the rest of the evening to share, I was face-to-face with the reality of what Christianity is all about. Because I rejected what the God Squad told me in high school and the little snippets you'd see, I mean college, rather, and stuff you'd see on TV. But, but presented with the reality of what the gospel means by looking at the stories in the gospels of when the disciples made that commitment. It was all on, all all out. There's no like, well, we'll kind of like believe this system. No, 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 we're giving up everything. It's all in. Same way, when we trust in God, trust in the Lord, it's all in. There's nothing held back. There's nothing held back. You know, I I was thinking about... uh, In in all the stuff of life, I think sometimes we still sort of tiptoe with God a little bit. We shouldn't, but the reality is we kind of do. Sometimes it's like we're we're, we're facing deals, and so we kind of like analyze stuff in our mind and and really wondering if that's what we're going to do. I was thinking, you know, when you got maybe a five-year-old, and you just say, okay, get in the car, Johnny, we're going to the store, you know. Johnny gets in the car and doesn't think a thing about whether or not you're really going to go to the store or if you're going to drive safely or anything like that. Nothing. Right? Unless you had an issue with Johnny that day or something. But, you know, generally speaking, when you tell the kid, get in the car, kid's in the car, and they're totally trusting that you're going to drive that car okay and get where you're supposed to be going. There's really no reservation about it. But wait until that Johnny turns 15, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, Mom, you, you know, telling you how to drive and stuff like that. I'm beginning to see that with Daniel a little bit now. Not too much, but he's starting, starting to go there. Yeah. So, there, you know, the trust starts to change because begins to question. But in our relationship with the Lord, he doesn't want us to be turning from 5 to 15 and beginning to, now, wait a second, God. That was great when I got saved that I trusted you with everything. But, you know, now that I know better, well, we're going to do it differently. That's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? We're supposed to be all in. I'll say another thing as well, and that is that I, I never heard it here. Thankfully, I can honestly say I've never heard anybody here do this. But sometimes I hear it on Christian radio programs or talking to other people where somebody will say, well, you know, that really tragic situation really shook my faith, you know, or uh, causes them to question their faith. You know, you you hear about those things and they say, well, you know, something like that goes on and they can question their faith. Really? Then what, what kind of God did you know? I mean, I understand tragedies happen and we can say, I don't understand the tragedy. God, what in the world's going on here? Please. Give me some understanding. Bad stuff happens. And it's challenging, indeed, to understand it and not easy to accept because when those bad things happen, sicknesses, deaths, whatever, the situations, people lose jobs, you know, you go, what happened? What did I do wrong? Sometimes you're looking for the lesson out of it. Sometimes you're just like, I'm not happy about this. But I really think that if a mature believer says, and by the way, maybe you don't really exist, God. Seriously? I mean, there's no way. You can't go there. 
And, and when I hear people saying stuff like that, I go, well, we need to talk about what you know about God because it's just not happening if that's your response to the challenging situations. So as I was kind of meditating on this and thinking about these things and my whole concept of like, I really think that what this scripture about trust means is not just a situational, but an embracing. Our entire being in life is an all-embracing. I went to one of these, you know, Bible programs on the computer that goes back to what the words really mean and stuff like that, and I was right. I found out that I was right. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's one of these programs online, but I think it says real stuff that's real Bible words that they really mean. So, one of these things I found, it says, trust in the Lord, and then in parens, it's got this. These are like Jewish words, so they must be for real. B-T-A-K-H, Bateka L. Yehovah, literally trust in Jehovah, literally reliance upon Jehovah, reliance in the words with all thine heart, is here appropriately placed at the head of a series of admonitions which especially have God and man's relations with him in view, inasmuch as such confidence or trust with its corresponding idea of renunciation of reliance on self is, as Zokler truly remarks, a fundamental principle of all religion. It is the first lesson to be learnt by and no less necessary for the Jew than for the Christian. Without this reliance on or confidence in God, it is impossible to carry out any of the precepts of religion. Batak, B-A-T-A-K-H, is properly to cling to. And so cling to, and so passes to the meaning of to confide in, to set one's hope and confidence upon. The, pre, uh, the preposition L with Jehovah indicates the direction which the confidence is to take. So it's a clinging to. It's in everything about us, just like a little child clinging to the parent. Everything about us clings to the Lord. You know, and I was just mentioning the example of how some people... Uh, Oh, my faith is shaken when the terrible things happen. I, I like sharing stories, and one that happened literally today. I won't name names, but I'm very honored to know these people. I represent, actually, some folks came to me a, a few years ago with a very difficult situation. This lady was uh, driving her SUV down the road, and apparently there was some disagreement with her teenager in the back. And perhaps because of that, she lost control, and her SUV kind of swerved, and then as it was going across the road, it rolled over several times. And the roof crushed down and was such horrible injury that she was rendered quadriplegic. Praise God, she's now recovered and walking, talking, eating. S still has some difficulties mentally, but miraculous recovery. I mean, really miraculous. But anyway, when the family called me, this is really kind of, I just like this story. When they called me, uh, the husband called, and um, and he's a believer. His uh, brother's a pastor, and I, I knew of him, but I didn't really know this fellow. And we got to talking, and I just distinctly remember praying with him. Jeannie in my office prayed with him. I mean, we just tried to encourage him. It's like, you know, what do I do? It's a horrible tragedy. But it seemed like it was his wife's doing, but what struck me was that there was a problem with the vehicle. The roof shouldn't have crushed in, and the roof crush resulted in this horrible injury and all the consequences. So that case, frankly, was too uh, challenging and too expensive for me to take on suing General Motors all by myself. 
So I referred the family to some lawyers in Southern California, and, and today we had the hearing on approving a settlement that will bring some funds to help care for his wife and so forth. It's not everything you'd like it to be, but things worked out very well. But what I was going to get to is this. Here's this fellow who is a successful businessman. He's got a beautiful daughter and a wonderful wife, and things seemingly going along well, running a great business, and now his wife's a quadriplegic. I mean, at that moment in time, a couple of years, you know? And yet he was always so upbeat. As hard as things were for him, um, and he's not a pastor guy, but he's just a legitimate believer, you know? We'd talk on the phone, and... Um, and he was always so thankful, too. You know, Stuart, I really appreciate what you're doing to try to help me out, you know? And, uh, and that always encouraged me to see somebody like that. Mean, and, and, I mean, he's looking, what am I going to do, push my wife around in a wheelchair the rest of her life, and what's going to happen? All that unknown. But he was never shaken, never like, oh, what am I going to? Never forlorn, always like, I, I don't know what, I don't know why, just trusting in God. And thankfully, God has come through. But the, the nice thing about it was that, it really, we talked on the phone a bunch of times. I didn't meet him until today. <laughs> yeah, because the Los Angeles attorneys took care of everything and because we needed that kind of help. And I've communicated with him and his wife on the phone. But finally, when we came to court today, because a judge had to approve things, we finally got to give a big hug and embrace. And, and it was encouraging, too, because he said, I just got to tell you, those first few weeks... When things were so difficult, we could always call your office and you folks would pray with us and encourage us. And I'm like, well, it's the other way around because you're always encouraging us, you know. So in the midst of things, trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And that was a perfect example of how that happened. And you know what I'm also encouraged about? That as I was kind of preparing things, how am I going to fill even 10 minutes of time? You know, I just, do you do that? You do. You're like, I'm supposed to talk for a while. I don't have anything to say. Well, I'm only about one-tenth done, so shall we take a coffee break and come back? No. Okay. <laughs> we'll just keep going, but I'll keep an eye on things. Um, and it's not just in the tragedies, but sometimes it's in the day-to-day -day life things. So, you know, the word also says we're encouraged by the testimony. I've shared this testimony with some, but I'll, I'll share it since this, uh, it's on the recording so Dominic can hear it. When I was a young lawyer, there was a time when um, I was first saved and kind of getting into the things of God, and Bob Curry, our close friend uh, and my father in the faith, was staying in my home for a few nights, and uh, I had a major assignment to do for this law firm I was working for, and it was a lot of work, and this is back in the days before computers, so you had to type, oh, I know, I had to dictate, I had to dictate a big old memo. So I was given the assignment by the senior partner to do this very important memo for this multi-million dollar client. And we've been worshiping and just having a whole weekend of just, you know, praise party at my house. And everybody's over. You know how that goes. And just stay up all night. And you're doing everything. And so then it's Sunday morning. And we're just praising and worshiping. And we're just carrying on. I'm, Bob, I got to get this job done. Oh, just trust in the Lord, Stuart. Just put God first and it's all going to work out. Well, that's easy for you to say. You've never been a young associate in a big law firm that's got this big responsibility. But I did what he suggested, which is, okay, I'm just going to press into God and just do my thing. And it literally wasn't until after everybody was going to bed, including Bob, that it's like 10 o'clock at night, that now I've got the law books out and the little dictator and I've got to do this memo. I don't even remember being awake. I mean, I was so tired. 
and I'm dictating away, and it's probably in the early morning hours when finally this project's done, and I take it to the office, turn in the tape, and they transcribed it and, and did this thing that had to be filed with a court or something, you know. Job's done, I move on. The senior partner wasn't around to review the work. I just, young associate, just did it, filed it, and there you go. So when he came back from wherever he was the next week, uh, I got a buzz on my phone from his secretary. Mr. Chandler, yes. Uh, Mr. Manick wants to see you in his office about that memo or that thing. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I sat down in his office, and he goes, Stuart, yeah. I got to talk to you about this thing that you filed. Yeah, he goes, you know something? He goes, I'm known around here, because he was the senior guy. I'm known around here for changing my own one-page letters like five times just because i got to keep fixing everything. He goes, this was perfect. There were no changes. It's perfect. <laughs> like, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I didn't really share with him, well, you know, Mr. Manic, that was a God miracle. I guess I should have, you know. But it was. It was. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he shall direct your paths or make your path straight. So I'm a living testimony that that's what happened. Now, I'm not done yet. We still have a few minutes left, so I'm going to take it up. Okay. You know, I, I was looking, but I, I know that we need to consider scriptural references as well. And so what had come to mind, and I won't read the whole thing, but, um, you know, from Daniel uh, chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they wouldn't bow down to the king's idol. And the command was made that when the music played, they're all supposed to bow down. Everybody's supposed to bow down. And it kind of goes on long, so I'm not going to read it. I, I it here so I thought if I need to fill time we can read it and talk about all the little verses but we won't do that but it, you know it is a perfect example of here's these fellows that totally trust in God and what but what's so great about it and I will come back to at least quote a part of it and that is that th that portion where they not only refuse to bow down but um, when the king confronted them and they said, if you don't worship, you'll immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace. And who can deliver you out of my hands? And they all replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods, or worship the golden image that you've set up. They completely trusted in God. I know we teach this from kids' Sunday school, but it's still good for us too. It is. Because they're standing up, and that's always an example to remember. And, and in that case, it had a happy ending, didn't it? You know, they got saved. The king realized, wow, their God's the right God, and, you know, everything's, it's the happy ending story, as it ought to be. And so that's good in the script. But... The scripture's full of examples that aren't a happy ending. I mean, John the Baptist had served up on a platter. That wasn't a happy ending for that dude. But he stood up for what he knew God's will was. I think, though, in eternity. See, we look at stuff right here, you know, in this little speck. In eternity, it's all the same, isn't it? God recognizes their trust in him and their obedience to him, regardless of the outcome. So if anybody says, well, I trusted in God for this, and he let me down, blah, 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 don't be blaming God. 
maybe you made a wrong mistake. Maybe you weren't hearing it right. You know, that could be possible. That, those things happen. Or maybe you did trust God and okay, it happened the way it did and he may or may not reveal to you why. But get over it. Just understand that in big or small, it's always a matter of saying, I'm not going to hold back. Just because I think I got burned on something last week that God didn't come through and, well, I thought I was going to get the raise or the new job, it didn't happen, so I'm not going to trust God next week. Really? Come on. Grow up, you know? Yeah, that's just not the way to go. All right, so much of that story. Next. Yeah, pass that one. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, let's see. We've gotten through one of, one of four lines. Let's move on to the next line. <laughs> and lean not on your own understanding. Well, I'll get to go eat pie after this. Okay, so lean not on your own understanding. The issue is a matter of where our trust is placed. It does not say to ignore our thoughts and ability to analyze or figure things out. But it's a matter of what we put our reliance on, you know. So God isn't saying, well, turn your brain off. It, it doesn't say that. You know, it doesn't just say, well, you know, just kind of close your eyes and pray and just hope that as you walk across the street in the middle of Blackstone Avenue at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon that everything's going to work out. Trust in God. Well, there's a little understanding there, you know, that you ought to have and just not get stupid about it. But it's a matter of where is the, the confidence placed? And I was thinking about that, and I, you know, it was kind of in my mind is that there is an un, you have an understanding, you're not supposed to ignore it, but it's like don't put all your weight on it, almost like a, a crutch or a pole or something that you would just kind of use to prop yourself up. And on that one, I went back to this, whatever I found on the computer to find the scripture words, and guess what? I was right again. So I'll read to you what I found in the computer. Yeah. I don't know where this came from. But it said, lean, tishayan, uh, blah, blah, blah. It has a couple words I can't pronounce. Followed by L, like bitaka, uh, with which it is very similar in meaning. Shan, not used in da-da-da-da-da, uh, simplifies to lean upon, rest upon, just as a man rests upon a spear for support. Its metaphorical use to repose confidence in is derived from the practice of kings who are accustomed to appear in public, leaning on their friends or ministers. The admonition does not mean that we are not to use our own understanding, binab, that is, form plans with discretion and employ legitimate means in the pursuit of our ends, but that when we use it, we are, not to, we are to depend, we are to depend upon God and his directing and overruling providence. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, etc. The teacher points out not only uh, where we are to rely, but also where we are not to rely. So, lean not. Lean not. doesn't say don't consider, but just don't put all your weight on it like it's all on my understanding. Now who, really, you think about it. People do that a lot, don't they? They just get their brains going, you know? I'm guilty, you know, and... Uh, somebody that I know often tells me that 
which would knock it out because I think about this and what about this and what about this and if this happens and this happens and this happens like in a lot of the cases I work on, it's a chess game, you know, with the other side a lot. It's like, okay, well, let's see now. If I depose this witness who says this and they say this. And there's a degree to which strategy is helpful, but there's also the point at which, okay, are you really trusting God or are you just trying to figure it all out on your own? Really. Strategy's good. Consideration of what you understand and so forth is good. But make sure your entire confidence and trust in every component is placed in God, regardless of how it's going to turn out. Because that's the God isn't so much concerned about whether you get the next promotion or I win the next case. You know, maybe important to us. He's concerned about our relationship with him. Number one thing. It's always what it comes down to. In all your ways, the concept is that we turn over all control, all control, complete surrender to the Lord. Not just big decisions, not just church activity, but from the large to the small. Think about how much God cares for the little things. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Amen? So when we think about these verses in Proverbs 3, truly the tendency is so often to apply trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths or make your path straight. Generally speaking, I think a lot of us apply that to decisions, choices, big components of life. And it's right, but more than that, this verse, in all your ways, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not just in your big decisions, not just in the crisis situations. In all your ways, in the little stuff, you know? In all the stuff of life. And... Uh, one of the things that I made a note about for myself that I'd share is how much I really enjoy the outdoors. And I don't spend as much time there as I'd like. It's just kind of how things are going at this phase of my life. But even as an unsaved person, I always marveled at creation, not recognizing the God of the universe, kind of suspecting there must be a higher power. But, you know, just point in my life, I'd love to go to Yosemite Valley and just lie on the the valley and just spend hours, you know, just looking at the grandeur of it and just trying to take it in but being unable to. And I think that we need to do that more and more in our own lives. And so one of the things uh, that I would hope that people take with them is this. We're all busy. We all got a lot to do. Jobs, family, whatever, whatever. Think about this. Tonight, tomorrow, whenever, if you can spend even five minutes looking at and soaking in something of God's creation, sunset, sunrise, or even just sitting and watching the leaves rustle as the wind blows. Clouds, I love looking at clouds. You know, just, I don't know about yourself, I just love to just lay there and just look at them and watch how they change and realize that every detail of those clouds, God created. He's an artist, and there's just his artistry in the sky. And we're going around looking at the asphalt that man created 
when the beauty of the painting is up there, you know? And, well, Stuart, what's that got to do with your message? Well, it's got to do this, because you're going to do that. Someplace in the next 24 hours, you're going to purpose to take a few moments to look at the cloud or just stop and, you know, watch something, the, the wind blow on the tree, whatever it is. And when you do that, you think, in this moment in time, I'm purposing to acknowledge that in all aspects of my life, I'm trusting God. I'm giving it all over to him. I'm trusting that the God that, that painted those clouds in the sky, that, that caused the wind to blow through those trees, it's so entertaining and just in, uh, refreshing for me, is the same God that I'm going to trust with everything in my life. It's like a little trigger, isn't it? You know? And so then you'll come back and say, I remembered Stuart something said, and I'm going to tell him that on Sunday when I see him. And then I'll think, wow, this is really great. And then I might even talk again sometime. So do that, okay? Okay, thank you. Uh, scriptural reference here. I'm almost done, too. This is pretty cool. Uh, so going back to that computer that said some things, from verse 6, it says, In all thy ways, this expression covers the whole area of life's action, all its acts and undertakings, its spiritual and secular sides, no less than its public and private. It guards against our acknowledging God in great crises and solemn acts of worship only. See, that's what I said earlier, didn't I? I said it's not just the great stuff, it's the little stuff. And I hadn't even read this first. Acknowledge him, daiku, something or other. I don't know all these words, I won't pronounce them. The Hebrew verb yada means to know or to recognize. To acknowledge God is therefore to recognize in all our dealings and undertakings God's overruling providence which shapes our ends, rough hew them as we will. It is not a mere theoretical acknowledgement but one that engages the whole energies of the soul and sees in God power, wisdom, providence, goodness, and justice. This meaning is conveyed by the something or other which is to consider in all parts to reflect upon, as David's advice to his son Solomon is, know thou the God of thy father. We may well acknowledge Jehovah, for he knoweth the way of the righteous. According, uh, uh, acknowledging God also implies that we first ascertain whether what we are about to take in hand is in accordance with his precepts and then look for his direction in illumination. It's in all aspects of life, every little detail. I just encourage everybody to do that. And so, <coughs> trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. So these are all like commands. And then guess what happens? If you do steps one, two, and three, ka-ching, you get the reward. Pretty cool. And the reward is he shall direct your path, or another translation says make your path straight, you know, and maybe some say something else. But think about that. It's not just do, 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 do. But, you know, hey, I'm God. I'm loving you. I'm telling you. Follow this. Here's some guidance for you. And you do this, and this is what I'm going to do. It's the promise. And what I really like is he doesn't say, I might help you out. You know, I might give you a little pointer, maybe, possibly, right? It says I, he shall. That's a promise. 
he shall do this. So you do this, he shall do that. You do this, he does that. It's not that hard. The problem is, it's really hard for us to do this. It's easy for him to do that, but it's hard for us to do this sometimes. Make your path straight. So this is the big payoff. And note that this, uh, like so much of scripture, is a promise, not a possibility, but an assurance. And the scriptural reference that I have from the Magic Bible program says that he shall direct thy paths, that is, he himself shall make them straighter level, removing all obstacles out of the way, or they shall under God's direction prosper and come to a successful issue. They shall be virtuous inasmuch as deviation into vice will be guarded against and happy because they are prosperous. The pronoun be who is emphatic, he himself. In other words, this is what God's going to do. To cut straight here, God binds himself to a covenant. The po this power is properly attributed to God, for it is not uh, in man to direct his steps. I love the fact that God makes covenant, doesn't he? That's his promise. You know, we make promises, and we're not always 100% unfulfilling them. But God never, never fails on his promise. And I think about this as somewhat analogous to the scripture in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, where it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I know that's not exactly the scripture I was talking about tonight, but it's kind of along the same lines. Having absolute confidence in God, and you'll get that. It's a promise. And another story, and that is that uh, when I was first saved and just beginning to get into the word but hadn't really read very much, I mean, I'm talking literally within the first couple weeks after I got saved, October 21 of 1979, in case anybody's keeping track. So my 35-year anniversary is coming up. Wow. I remember having an extremely vivid dream one night and I had this very vivid dream of being in a boat and being in the ocean and it's just getting tossed around okay and just like and I woke up not knowing what the meaning of the dream was and it was one of those things where as a new believer it's like well I'm going to see if God's got anything for me today and I opened the I'm gonna, and it went right there to that scripture wow like hello I'm talking to you dude <laughs> You better have some faith when you ask me for wisdom. So I'm okay. God wants to give me wisdom. I'm going to need a whole lot of that because at that point I had a lot of, you know, new career ahead of me and everything. But I love the way God talks to us like that. It's so personal. I mean, he gives me this dream. Then he gives me the scripture, you know, and he just gives you that instruction. In fact, it was right around that same time, maybe within a year or so, <laughs> This is not even necessarily in the scripture, but um, another one of those times, it's like, oh, you get up in the morning, well, what are you going to read? Oh, just that. So I was reading something, and I came across one of the Proverbs that said uh, not to sign, not to be a cosigner, basically, you know, not to have your hand, whatever, whatever, a surety something, a different translation, but don't cosign. Okay, well, that's interesting. You shouldn't do that. All right, I'd never seen that before. That same day, I got a call from a young lady that I knew through a church connection. Brother Chandler, I'm looking at this new car, and, and I was just wondering if you'd sign the papers to help me get the car. Co-signing. <laughs> I'm serious. And I just said, well, sister, now, 
I love you and the Lord, and you want me to do what God wants me to do, don't you? Yeah. You don't want me to be disobedient to the scriptures, do you? Well, of course not, Brother Chandler. Well, did you know that it says, and I quoted off the scripture right off the top of my head, because I had it, you know. <gasps> really? And I, yeah, that's what it says. Oh, well, then I guess you better not co-sign. Well, that's right. Isn't God wonderful? Because otherwise you might have, I might have ended up buying somebody else's car, you know. <laughs> don't want to go down that path. All right, so that's the end of the stories. The concluding remark is that your assignment from tonight is to do what? <laughs> and in doing that, you're going to remember what? Trust in him because he's got it all under control. Amen?